Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, it's Aaron here. We're taking over your pulp and prestige feeds to share some good news with the community about our recent uh, Groundhog Day fundraiser drive. Um, we... This was so Jim, this is our sixth annual, right? Mm-hmm. If you yeah. missed all of the the advertising we did in the lead up, uh, Jim and I on a whim six years ago on Groundhog Day decided to watch the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray and Andy McDowell um, for 24 hours for the entirety of Groundhog Day. And it was a great it was a, and, and like I think literally two days before the event, we'd gotten into planning. I'm like. Man, it seems like we should do something. We should like have a call to action or something. We're going to do this big stunt and like, yeah, okay. So we decided to pick a charity and we've been doing this ever since. Uh we've we've migrated from the actual day of Groundhog Day to usually the weekend after to make it a little easier for people to attend. And we've always, you know, done 24 hours of something. And this year we wanted to do the the entire catalog of Fast and Furious movies. And we were raising money throughout the 24 hours for the Cure Owls Fund, uh, a fund, uh, a, a charity that aims to uh, take money and convert it into research to for effective treatments and a potential cure for Alzheimer's. I thought it went well, Jim. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know. I always get really gripped up as these days come. I don't know why, um, because I'm always thinking like, well, what if we don't make as much money as we do last year? Well, what would that mean? What if no one shows up? What if this is the year where, you know, we're like performing to zero people? Um, But (laughs) Uh have no fear. The bald move fam showed up. Uh, We raised just a ton of money. You'll recall last year. Maybe you don't if this is the first time, but we. Last year during a James Bond marathon, we watched 12 James Bond back to back to back to back. We raised a unheard of total of $20,533.05. We increased that by a whopping 17%. We took in $23,540.69. Very nice. In just cash, we sold another $503.51 in merch. And that's just the net proceeds. That's not the total. That's just how much... Uh, of that stuff went is going to cure owls. Um, we also got $247 worth of bits, uh, which is almost like 25,000 bits. And we got $301 from subs. The vast majority of that coming from ML, the ML, uh, (laughs) which brought our grand total to $24,593. That's the size of the check that we wrote to cure owls. Um, just shy of 5,000, that's 17%, at least a 17% increase over last year, which was in itself, um, uh, like at least a 10% increase over the previous, um, year's record. And we are just over a hundred thousand dollars in lifetime charitable giving for this groundhog project. 
Nice. Six figures, Jim. I, I Secretly, that was my hope that this year we would hit the six figure mark. I, I saw where we were sitting after last year's so at like 75 ish. And I was like, yeah, man, how amazing would it be to get to 100 this year? Sounds like we did it. I'm blown. We away. did. I was because like at first I was a slightly dis- it's like, you know, this things like, oh, my God, we set a record. But like we were like literally a thousand dollars away. But here's the thing. Here's the one. The big differences is that I think we made it aware people aware that like, you know, you can go to groundhog.baldmove.com in the days before or after if you miss, you know, because not everybody can go. You know, you got things going on. Um, but, you know, this Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. It's impacted a lot of people's families. Um, it uh, affected my grandfather. I saw what kind of devastation it just really brutalized the my dad's side of the family when because it's not it, it's it's not a, an easy death. It's not something easy. It lasts for for, you know, for a long, long time. The the unique horror about Alzheimer's and other dementia based illnesses is they take the person long before they take that person's body. And it's just a real ordeal. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people have had personal experience with this disease. That's something that I, you know, I always get reacquainted with, um, each time we do this. Cause like people come in, but, um, even if you couldn't, people come in before and after, like, for example, we had a $2,000 donate. We started the day with $2,000 in our pocket because someone had dropped a big $2,000 dono the night before. And then sure enough, we got over a thousand dollars because over fifteen hundred dollars came in after the marathon. So mm-hmm. um, it is now officially too late to get into the bald move check. But as we talking with Connor, you can go to curals.org right now if you still care to, to donate. Don't want to wait until next year uh, to get that in. Um, yeah, it was. I, what did you think of this? Just um, aside from the fantastic success of the fundraising. What did you think about the this particular installment of the Groundhog Day? Uh, so you were talking about always getting gripped up like we're not going to beat our records. I'm not so concerned about that, mostly because I'm so busy in the lead up to this because I, I manage the technical side of this uh, event. And it that, that my my getting gripped up is will this work technically? Will we be able to pull this off? Is my is my computer uh gonna crash after running all the shit i gotta run for almost 24 hours uh we're gonna get 22 hours into this and it'll crash and then you know there goes our stream and everybody leaves and no more donations come in uh that's where i freak out uh am i gonna have time to set up all of the different views that i need uh to make this work and come up with uh a themed logo and graphics package for this uh am i gonna be able to get the merch design in time I, I always work on it right down to the wire. I started pretty early this year, a couple of weeks ahead of time. Um, and felt like I had the merch stuff in hand, but, but I was also very busy with other things at the same time. And so it felt like a mad dash to the finish. And I was working on setting up a second. I, I always set up a second station for myself too. So that when I, when my back feels tired of sitting in this chair, I can go lounge in a beanbag or recliner or something uh so setting that up as a hassle i i did not end up using it this year somehow i I sat in this chair no i sat in this chair for 24 hours it didn't bother me that much which was amazing because in past years i've needed that second station Um, same i don't know what it is maybe i just have a better chair this year 
I knew this year I wouldn't be able to do a second station just because of uh, how things have changed around the home and whatnot. Space, um, yeah. But I made sure my dev- my um, desk could change its height so I could stand up. And I did stand up for an almost entire Fast and Furious. That helped. Nice. I feel like we need to get a steel case sponsorship because I don't know what your chair <laughs> is, but mine is a, I'm sitting in a steel case and that sucker supported my bulk for 24 hours. Nice. No problem. Like a champ. Well, if Steelcase won't do it, maybe Herman Miller will, because I'm in an arrow. Oh, which, yeah, that's it. We pit, pit we him pit against, against each other. Pit him against each other for the coveted Groundhog 24-hour grew. It's like the Le Mans, you know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You're just really putting it through the paces. It's an endurance feat. <laughs> so, this, so that um, was my experience leading up to this, and the things that I got worried about and gripped up. But it all went off without a hitch. Like technically. This thing went perfectly well. The other wrinkle here is that I was the, scared wait, is, about. Is this the first year that we actually had an unbroken 24-hour stream? Because I feel like when I've gone back maybe. in years before, it's like that like maybe we did it on purpose. Like we cut it into tw- four-hour increments or um, – but like I don't think we ever had like a – like when I went to go look at the VOD, it's like a solid 24 mm-hmm. hours and 15 minutes. It's a 24-hour stream, baby. Yeah. Uh, it might be the first year that that is true. Uh but but I, I was pleasantly surprised by how well it went off technically, considering also that we were bringing in a guest for the first time this year. We had Pete Peppers on. I didn't know how that was all going to run. I tried to pre-configure some, some screens for that. And I think it largely went off without a hitch. Um, so, yeah, I, I was very uh, happy technically with how this went and, of course, financially. Uh, and, 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 boy... Had a lot of fun, too. Yeah, and I, I want to talk before we get, because we're going to talk about mm-hmm. the bulk of this is going to be are talking about the the crazy stuff that happens <laughs> during these streams. Um, uh-huh. But I would talk about, you know, we had a 17% increase and uh, we weren't able to do all the things like we keep on wanting to have like more volunteers. We do have a few volunteers I want to shout out here in a minute. But like I did do a little bit of better job, I think, of promoting it. I think this is the best promotion we've done of through the event. Um, I think also like word of mouth. You know, like people, if if you've been with Bald Move for several years, you kind of hear this this Groundhog Day, and then you hear the rap, and I think more and more people just out of curiosity want to show up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some outreach to some of our podcasting friends, uh, our buddies like Jason, the Walking Dead cast, who's currently uh, doing the cast of us mm-hmm. uh, over at Podcastica, uh, boosted uh, uh, our tweets, uh, the insiders, Kim Renfro. The ringers, Joanna Robinson, some of the few, uh, some of the many, I rather that uh, helped us out and boosted our tweets. And uh, I could I could see like uh, uh, not to mention, like when I do these drives, like the dozens of people who were also boosting this in our own account. You can see those posts on a Groundhog Day that people did retweet like they got 50 to 100 times more views and engagement. Um, and with, you know, I always try to mention Curals like that's such a great charity. Uh, mm-hmm. because it's such a worthy cause. I think we brought, you know, that had to help. Um, Cause like, that's the other thing is like, I know some of the first few years, it seemed like it was like the groundhog crew. There was like this core group of people that was doing most of the chatting, staying up most of the night, doing a lot of the donating. Um, I like the fact that this has gotten so big that like, that's not so much the case. We have tons of unique people oh, yeah. coming in and out, lots of new names, lots of first time chatters, first time donating. Um, and that's, I think the sign of a really healthy, um, effort, you know, it's not just a few carrying it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the mini coming, uh, uh, lots, lots of hands make the load light. They used to say, uh, yeah. I mean, you they got probably still really... say it. 
really good numbers uh, as far as people showing up and participating in chat. I saw a couple hundred in any given time. Oh, yeah. Uh, ne- never dipped below like 100, 120. We I never, think, I think this is another uh, first. I don't think we ever dipped below triple digits of uh-huh. viewership, even in the graveyard shift. So had a lot of people from Europe and around the world kind of joining us when when mainland America was passing out. Uh, keeping us uh, plus a lot of people just I can't believe how many people stay up for the whole thing now a lot of them yeah like used to be a handful and now and then it, it was, was like, a, like a, it counted on less than a hand of fingers numbers right like yeah 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 like one one or people two maybe uh-huh and, and the, the first one and then it got a little bit more but now there's a legion of people that uh are, are at least chatting on a reg i don't know if i don't know if you stay conscious the entire time but you're 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 chatting at least every 30 minutes or so which i won't hold it against him it's not no easy i mean for it's me. <laughs> it's a lot easier to stay awake when there's a bunch of people on chat and making jokes than mm-hmm. you know um i uh, want to give out thanks to michelle uh beach and burnett if you see her in chat uh, for being our cheerleader as she was last year keeping us focused on getting those donos going sometimes we are as a night we kind of even forget what we're doing she's always there to keep us on task uh also thanks to deb tulip blossom in chat she is handling all of her merch fulfillment this year not just if you know jim mentioned working on merch um we had a really great t-shirt yeah, I want, AI. I want to talk well, about want to that. Talk when we about get to the, that? Well, I imagine there'll okay. be a whole AI section on this. There will. There will. We, for the first year, AI was used in the creation for some of the content uh-huh. merch for I think <laughs> spectacular success. Yeah. Um, and, but, but yes, uh, thanks to Deb for for fulfilling the giveaway stuff as well. Yeah. right? that's going to go a lot smoother for us this year. Yes, I think it's. In fact, I I heard that it's all been fulfilled at this point. So amazing. I think we're already uh, so much better than in years past, where it kind of fell on our shoulders to do that. And also, mm-hmm. just again, thanks to everybody stopped by. I it really means a lot for people. And some people like apologize for not being there the whole time. It's like honestly. <laughs> Just dropping in and saying, add a boy and here is five bucks is an awesome way to support it. You know, you don't have to sure. be. It's cool if you there are. But you don't have to be there for huge chunks of it. Um, uh, yeah, no, we just appreciate that much. Again, I love seeing the new faces. And I, I thought this was a really fun 24 hour marathon. You know, some have been inherently more interesting than others. But Fast and Furious is just you don't have to pay that close of attention there's always something loud and or funny happening on the screen. There's a lot of good memes. Oh, my God. The Fast and Furious memes. So good. And uh, yeah, it was surprisingly divisive in the lead up to it. Um, it was. I think once we started, everybody kind of settled in. But in the lead up, everyone was kind of like, well, I don't I don't really like Fast and Furious. Um Never, never really seen them. And I don't want to say everybody was like that because some people were like, hell yeah, Fast and Furious. Uh, I, I think, yeah, once we got into it and yeah. and and people saw that, OK, that's what we're doing here. That all yeah. kind of died out. I didn't I didn't see yeah. anybody complaining about like what we were watching uh, while we were watching it. Yeah, a lot of that's just like, you know, it's just not people's taste. It's like what people say. I hate country uh-huh. music. It's like, really? You hate country music? You right. hate Hank Williams? You hate you hate George. You hate Dolly. Who the fuck hates Dolly Parton? No, you don't. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, you, 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 even if you hate action movies, like the Fast and Furious is not. 
it, it doesn't take itself seriously. I think people think it's like something like Predator or Commando sure. or something like that, where it's like, no, it really is a ridiculous show. And I'm glad it was so much fun because honestly, this is the most tired I've ever, even though I got adequate sleep going into it, I had a little bit of a sleep deficit. I was going mm-hmm. back and looking at some of the clips. I said I was sleepy and needed a nap on Tokyo Drift. <laughs> That's number that three, was the, everybody. That was in the middle of the afternoon. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, my God. And then <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 I ingested some things around midnight that <sighs> really mistake. took things to another level. But then when the energy of that left me at around three or four o'clock in the morning, I was really up Shit's Creek. Dude, I, I was dragging so much ass from 3 a.m. to and like usually when the sun comes up, I started to get it. But like it lasted to like nine, ten o'clock where I was just like, oh, God, I cannot close my eyes. I cannot close my eyes. And then. People, you know, the last minute donos and, you know, of course, you know, he had to get angry, Rick, and Good Times Riker out, which we'll talk about. And once I start screaming, then the, you know, the all, all the <laughs> adrenaline starts kicking. And uh-huh. but yeah, it was a tough one. I was just I felt exhausted throughout the last third of this marathon, which I hadn't really happened before. Yeah, it was is a little different. Uh, okay in some ways it was a little bit better for me but it was also like standard procedure so what happens to me in these is i usually get tired around 6 a.m and a lot like you you know i'll get tired and then i'll be out of it for kind of a couple hours and i'll come back for another movie and get a second wind around like 10 o'clock or so or or, not even 10 o'clock around like eight o'clock and then 10 comes around and I'm just a, I'm a corpse. I'm, I'm on autopilot. I'm staring into the space. I can't even barely tell what's happening around me. Um, and that always happens. The, the, I feel like these marathons are about two hours too long for me because the last two <laughs> hours I'm a zombie. Uh, and, and, but it works out nicely because when, when you get really tired at like, you know, 4 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something uh, right. in previous years. I think this this time it was, like you said, around midnight or something. Uh, I'm usually still going strong and able to kind of kick it up and, you know, talk with chat and make jokes and you can just kind of zone out for a little bit. And then when I get just zombified at 10 a.m., uh, you're there with angry Rick and good times Riker <laughs> uh, to, to kick things up a notch and for the home stretch. And I can just be completely vegetative, which I always yeah. am. And I have no choice in that at that point. Mm-hmm. Just like I, I'm, I can't entertain anymore. I can't entertain after 22 hours of doing this. Sorry. Uh, so it works out pretty nicely. But six years in a row, neither one of us has fallen asleep. So that's cool. It's true. Yeah, like we have got we got the no sleep streak going on that. And, but uh, I don't I, I try and eat and drink as healthily as possible. Like I don't I go in ingest. the opposite direction. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, man. I, you're eating Doritos and ding dongs and shit. And I'm like, right. Red celery. Bulls. Sure. And, and bagels and like <laughs> stuff's bad drinking for you, water and coffee. Your body is trying to do your tr- body is trying to maintain healthy levels of things. And that's not what a marathon's all about. It's about being. <laughs> all about being <laughs> stupid and unhealthy <laughs> fair yeah i'm fighting against the general spirit of the thing exactly exactly um, Maybe you're right 
what uh, I, I want to talk the, the, before we get off topic and start talking about the crazy shit. Um, did you have a favorite Fast and Furious during the marathon? Boy, so I really love Fast Five. I was going to say um, that's a great one. It'll always be a classic Fast and Furious for me. But Fast Nine, F Nine, the Fast Saga mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is very, very good. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I just love the stupid places that that movie goes to. Yeah, I think Fast Five is my favorite still. Um, mm-hmm. I'd never seen Tokyo Drift. That was more entertaining because I, I got in my mind that fast and furious one through three are just a waste of time like the show kind oh, of like no, it, it becomes so itself and and fast and furious four i think it, it kind it of does. is a piece it's you, you, it definitely take kicks up a notch in four and mm-hmm. like gets you, mm-hmm. you you're you're out of the realms of like stealing dvds and you're into like actual international crime and and terrorism so that's cool and they have the whole kind of like cast you've got everybody you know assembled but like one through three is actually surprisingly entertaining and has some crazy shit uh, all to itself. So I thought it felt much of a piece like just a grab. Everything just feels like a grab. It's like boiling a frog. Your brain is the frog and Fast and Furious is the cauldron. It starts off like, OK, this is pretty grounded street level FBI. It's essentially point break only with mm-hmm. imports. Right. By the fast, la, the la, the fast one, the last fast one, you are launching Fieros into outer space, mm-hmm. um, and docking with the internet. Not now, okay. You could do that. Elon Musk did that, <laughs> sure, but with people but, but, in but, them, but they they dock it to a space station at one point, right? Uh-huh. Like there's there's yeah. whole there's like all kinds of or there's me- orbital mechanics at play, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just it's just good. Um, yeah, was there a least favorite? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go I was going to say, I really get an appreciation for like the ebb and flow of the Fast and Furious franchise doing this. Um, it's like one was very much car tuner culture type of stuff. And two was that. But they were like, you know what? We might not get another sequel to this. So fuck it. Let's go crazy. And they launch a car mm-hmm. onto a boat. And that's pretty cool. Right. And that was like the height of what insanity could we get up to? And then three is like, well, I guess everybody's doing trilogies. So fuck it. Let's do a trilogy. Oh, we can't get Vince uh, uh, Vin. We can't get uh, Paul. Let's do it anyway. And they just made a different movie. Yeah. And then four was like them finding their 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 crazy feet. Right. Like, right. Four is a, a toe in the water of what if we just made this insane and five is where they really find it. They're they're like, yeah. yes, this is dialed in. We get what Fast and Furious is now. And from there, it's just a straight line to the end. You're on a trajectory. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. To insanity. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back with more bald move. Um, was there a least favorite Fast and Furious? Uh, I think it's still three. I think it's still three. Boy, the retconning they do of three also kills me. Um, Watching these back to back and back really puts in a sharp relief. The whole like, oh, actually, Jason Statham was behind the safe Tokyo the, whole side, the, the uh, whole time just like in the in fast x you can already sell the jason momoa exactly like, yeah didn't you didn't see him on the bridge when the safe knocked him off and fat was well, that's right? fast five right he There's was standing the, in the hole when the when the safe got pulled out of the wall what do you sure, mean you didn't see him? sure you didn't see this big big guy mm-hmm. uh they do that all like that's how they've added cast is like they introduce a villain that was always the villain. They retcon him into being a big part of like taking down the family. Then they win them over mm-hmm, and co-op mm-hmm. them. And then they join the family. Yeah. And the only one that's resisted joining the family is Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. She's got, she's just anti-familia. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pattern. Any real surprises? Like in in from the canon, is there anything uh, so, that you? So here's the thing: I hadn't seen Tokyo Drift in ages, and so when I don't know when when the guy who looks like he should be in in fucking the faculty or something, the lead of Tokyo Drift shows back up in a future Fast and Furious movie. I was shocked because I didn't recognize him when I saw him in that film. I don't remember yeah. which one it is. It's like seven or something. I, that's the other thing is, man, like I know the, the the big surprise I had is like how little fun I had with Hobbs and Shaw. But like I have a similar thing, like between seven, eight, seven and eight, like I am very sketchy of like, uh, I think Jason Statham has the, ba- the 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 very memorable baby carriage scene or the 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 car. What do you call that? A, a car seat? Very the the uh-huh. baby carrier scene I think is in eight, but it might be in seven. Yeah, I have a real hard time distinguishing six, seven, eight. I have very clear memories of five Hobbs and Shaw and nine. Yeah, because I felt like I was in a, a fugue state for the whole thing. But uh, that was the thing that surprised me most is how this uh, is the thing that surprised me most, I should say, is that I remember really liking Hobbs and Shaw. I thought Hobbs and Shaw mm-hmm. was one of the low lights. It Damn. might be because I was extremely tired, but also these movies are like getting to push in three hours long. Mm-hmm. And made that felt long when I was sitting there sleep deprived, just yeah. hoping that the West Coast wakes up and we get like a bunch of people in here acting crazy. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, my God. Why? I thought I thought this this was amazing. I thought these I thought they were so clever and so funny when I was watching this. But like now I just want them to shut up. Uh, Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the highlights? Do you want to take turns sure. putting forth highlights? And, and, and uh, I'll oh, nominate boy. you to go first. Um, so maybe now is the time we talk about the AI stuff. Let's do so, it. So let me talk about our plans 
uh, our best laid plans because I mm. feel like the one way in which this was technically, oh, this was not technically a success is that we could not get the AI thing that we really wanted to get working, working because there are AI models out there of Vin Diesel that you can use to replace your face using and deep Dwayne face. The Rock Johnson. And yes, the rock. Um, we really wanted to get those working. The trouble is it's very processor intensive uh, on, on your computer and your computer. I don't think is strong enough to do it in real time. My computer is, but just barely. And with all the other shit I was running for a 24 hour marathon, I'm like, I don't want to risk running this software for 24 hours. Um, Yeah. That might just blow up my computer. And and there's no way to switch midstream. I would have had to shut down the stream in order to turn it on temporarily or off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had to just kind of let that go. It would have been so good because this stuff like when it works it's amazing uh it would have been so good to replace your face it's really funny because when i put on the vin diesel face um it doesn't know what to do with my beard of course so vin diesel looks like he is uh like a stovepipe hat away from doing a abraham lincoln impersonation (laughs) Mm -hmm. like he's just like it looks like it looks like vin diesel except he's got this chin strap beard that shows yeah. up under it's like an Amish style farmer beard, and Pretty same thing glorious. with the Dwayne Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, and it's so weird because we did a whole shakedown thing then like two days before, and my computer mm-hmm. definitely was struggling, but it was doing it. And uh-huh. for whatever reason, it just would not do it the day of. And like you said, you were shy about like trying to mess with it too much because it is like it's in it, again just just to put a not to put a too fine a point on it. It is in real time taking your face and masking it with someone else's face in an almost seamless manner. Yeah. In real time. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. So unfortunately, that would have been a lot of fun. We couldn't do that. That, I think that would have been a highlight, but there were highlights along those lines. One of the things we got the AI to do is like, you know, there's a professional disagreement between uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock. And we had uh, the AI generate emails between the two about Mm -hmm, contract mm -hmm. disputes and Fast and Furious. And we intended to put (laughs) the digital faces of the rivals on and 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 read them. But ah. Yeah, just couldn't make it work. Uh, maybe next year. Who knows? Get a separate. Well, computer and also that, for that wasn't as funny and... as it could have been because Chad GPT had put a whole bunch like it wouldn't write a really rude or angry. Like we wanted to, we wanted them yeah. to get like unhinged, and it just won't do it. It won't write like crazy, violent, uh, profane right. emails like you want it to. And sometimes it felt. But, like real time that they were nerfing chat GPT as we were using it. Cause we'd get it to do something. Yeah. And then the next time I'd ask it to do something similar, it would say, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. So, they've so, really locked it down. And before I'm, we get further on this, I want to yeah. talk about the merch because then we can get ah, into the yes. madness. So this was part of the AI madness, um, that started before the stream even began. Uh, we had been playing around in, in our lunches, I think a little bit with chat, uh, GPT and with uh, this this stable diffusion stuff, which is like an image generation software, which can generate just from a text prompt, pretty pretty realistic or really any style image you want. And so we had it generating like a lot of stuff in in lunch, and we thought, you know what, it would be super cool if we could have this thing generate our merch for us because uh, we knew we were going to play around with some AI stuff during the stream. 
And so we had it generate. We, we did all sorts of prompts. Aaron and I sat down like a week, two weeks before or whatever. And we're just messing around. They're like, okay, uh, make it generate Vin Diesel and uh, the groundhog in a poster format uh, as, as Fast and Furious characters. And it would do that. And it would be weird. And we'd go, well, that's not quite what we want. And then change it to something else. Like a groundhog as the main character from Fast and Furious uh, or a groundhog in a tank top wearing a cross necklace <laughs> and driving a car too fast. Like uh-huh. all those kind of prompts. And eventually we got around to something where we had a couple images we really liked, one of a groundhog and one of Vin Diesel. And I just went in and I took those and just composited them together and then spruced it up with some Fast and Furious-like text, came up with the slogan, the fast and the generous. Brilliant. Uh, and and just put that into uh, Photoshop and spit out a merch a merch file that we can stick on a T-shirt. And I think it's brilliant. I love it. I think it looks good. It's a great T-shirt. I wear it with pride. Um, there mm-hmm. are. I just checked. Um, I don't know for how much longer is I'm going to instruct Deb to take him off the the the, the store <laughs> here. Mm-hmm. But if you want a Fast and Jur- uh, Furious limited edition, like once things go off the store, they're gone. Uh, you can go to merch.ballmove.com and get a hoodie, uh, a baseball tee, a ladies tee, a man's tee. Uh, they're, they're available still right now, uh, merch.ballmove.com, but they won't be within the day or perhaps, uh, ne- the, you know, before, before the end of the week, for sure, they're going to be gone. Oh yeah. Um, but that's not where we ended with AI. Uh, this is the, <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed harder in public than, <laughs> You getting the oh AI to write the tale of Vin Diesel and his hair babies. Oh, Mike. I don't even know how we came up with the concept of hair babies. Well, so you noticed that as people like people come on to the Fast and Furious, like Ludacris has this enormous afro. Right. Paul Walker's got this shaggy surfer cut that's almost like shoulder length. And as mm-hmm. they go on the franchise, first Paul Walker gets a clean and a high and tight military cut. Ludacris comes in completely shaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all, uh, everyone comes in and gets less and less hair. Uh-huh. And we had there's two <laughs> things you notice about Vin Diesel, especially when you're watching a marathon. Number one, the rolls of fat on the back of his neck. Mm hmm. You know, because he's a normal human being in the first Fast and Furious. He has several cycles into keeping up with Dwayne The Rock Johnson by the time it's done. And it's doing things to his body and his head. And one (laughs) of the things it's doing is it's putting just speed bump after speed bump at that junction between his skull and his neck. So he Uh knows it's to get bigger and bigger and all of his co-stars are losing hair. So you came up with this idea that he is sucking the hair power. (laughs) Jesus from his castmates and storing it into and I don't so I so neck, that's yeah. as far as I but then suddenly I suddenly I'm sitting here at one o'clock in the morning I'm high as a kite and you are typing the chat GP you're saying do you know who Vin <laughs> Diesel is and it's like yeah Vin Diesel's this uh do you know what hair babies are do you not know want hair babies hair babies define are, yeah you gotta define it for them for the you chat. said yeah. Vin Diesel has the ability to suck the hair power from his (laughs) co-stars. I wrote this down. Um, 
So you define hair babies as creatures that hatch from the rolls of fat on the back of Vin Diesel's neck once he's stolen enough hair power from his Fast and Furious co-stars. Hair babies turn into the exact <laughs> copies of the person whose neck they hatch from uh-huh. and form a family with that person. <laughs> so then you're like, do you understand this? And things like, and the thing is, is how passive aggressive chat GPT is. Because it's like, well, I understand the concept, but it's not based in reality. Like, like fine. fine. Yeah. Tell us a story about Vin Diesel and the hair babies. And it says, mm. well, even though this isn't a real life phenomenon, here's the story. And the shit it spit out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just chef's kiss. Now, I've got four parts to this saga that I'm going to give to our producer to put in his show notes. If you yes. just want to see the thing that sucks is I was laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe. And mm-hmm. Jim had put the chat GPT output over our faces. So it sounds like I've gone dead silent for like 30 <laughs> to 40 seconds when we're reading the story. The reality is I was laughing so hard I could not breathe. Yeah. I could not make noises. I was just wheezing red face like afraid <laughs> I was going to die. At how funny this shit was. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Oh, my God. Should I read the first? Because like so. Should I read the first? Should I read uh, the, this? Uh, yeah, unless we're planning on splicing them in here, definitely. Um. So the story is. So he says, okay. It's a. Um. Jim says, you know, do you understand? It's like, yeah, it's not real. He's like, okay, no problem. Tell me a fictional story based on the concept of hair babies. That's all the prompt we had. This is what <laughs> ChatGPT came up with. Once upon a time, there's a legendary movie star named Vin Diesel. He was famous for his roles in high-speed action films, and mm-hmm. his fans loved him for his rugged good looks and impressive muscles. <laughs> Jesus, can I get through this? One day, Vin noticed the small creatures were emerging from the rolls of fat on the back of his neck. He was shocked to discover that these creatures were exact copies of himself, and they were his hair babies. At first, Vin was confused and didn't know what to do. I love it every time someone calls him Vin. Uh-huh. But as the hair babies grew, they formed a tight knit family with Vin and helped with his acting career. They would often accompany <laughs> him onto the set of his movies and even perform some of the most daring stunts All with right. him. I didn't prompt it to tell him how it how it helped his career. Right. And they're a tight knit family because this is uh-huh. associated with Vin Diesel. <laughs> the hair babies were also very talented and they quickly became famous in their own right. Fans <laughs> loved them for their bravery and their ability to mimic Vin's acting style. <laughs> One day, Vin's hair babies got into a terrible accident while filming a stunt. Vin was devastated, but he soon realized he could just hatch new hair babies from his neck to replace any ones he had lost. From that day on, Vin and his hair babies continued to work together, performing daring stunts and thrilling audiences all over the world. They lived happily ever after, forming one of the most unique and unforgettable families in the history of Hollywood. This is chapter one in the hair baby saga. Mm-hmm. That eventually is going to lead to their corpses being launched into space. Mm-hmm. The Vin Diesel going on a daring rescue operation <laughs> when he realizes one of the hair babies are alive that he launched into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I could not <laughs> stop laughing. And yeah, I've got a lot of different laughs, but the one where I'm just helpless and I can't even breathe. I It's very Nick Offerman. It's very high pitched and giggly. And oh, God. Oh, this almost killed me, dude. It's glorious. I think what we should do is we should splice these in at the end of the episode, like the very end. Yeah. How do you splice it? Because like a lot of times we weren't even reading them out. I don't think we read all of them out loud because the thing is just typing it out in real time onto the chat. Oh, surely I read them all. 
Maybe you did. Maybe you did. Uh, we'll maybe, see. maybe not. We'll that that might be too hard to do. It's a 24-hour also, yeah, video. We're trying yeah, to get her to turn it around and, and yeah, pretty quick. But like, if you care enough, click on the links uh, to see the unfold. And and my only regret is we you couldn't see her face because, oh, yeah. my God, you would have seen a man dying of mirth. Yeah. Probably, um, probably you were leaning off camera at that point, laughing so hard, falling out of your chair anyway. But yeah, um, that was amazing. Uh, one of the many AI highlights this year yeah we did a lot of stuff with ai um the other thing we did the death is this a perennial hit I, a couple years ago i started doing the, the angry rick and good times Riker, and this is mm-hmm. have you ever seen some classic conan o'brien where he'd take arnold schwarzenegger a picture stock photo of him and cut his mouth out with like a green screen and have someone go in and like move their lips to do an impersonation that's what i do except for my impersonations are all the same they all sound like my grand my granddad who has had just a little too much Chivas Regal in him and he's getting his banjo out. Mm-hmm. That is what I that is how I try to portray the performance is this whether he's angry or funny. <laughs> and if he's if he's happy, it's good times Riker and it's a picture of Riker smiling that I've cut the face out and I put my face into it and it works great because we both have beards. And it's also angry, traumatized Rick, who's like got a burst blood vessel in his eye. It's like late stage Walking Dead. He's probably just ripped someone's throat out. And I bring that out when someone when people piss him. And like I just violent. I don't. I just get on and I scream and yell and mm-hmm. like like right good time record doing the hooey when people did <laughs> and it, people love it. People fucking love, love it. it. Yeah. Um. Definitely then, highlight every year. Then we switched it up. Uh, we we having victory ra- waffles every time we beat our funding goal. I m- make waffles live on stream. It wasn't going to be so easy for me this year because it's upstairs, not downstairs. It's going to be a whole thing. And also, we you revealed that you had never had a breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. So I procured a breakfast pizza and served it up on the air to to you and and Alexis and me. And yeah. uh, that was that was pretty fun too. And I have to make waffles. Uh, yeah that's good i'm sure i'm forgetting tons of other stuff because like just so many random conversations so many random funny things happen so many so many jokes and stuff into the movie but it's a whole 24-hour stream you can watch the whole thing right now twitch.tv slash bald move it'll probably still be up there for another month or so Mm -hmm. um and then it's probably going to be gone forever it's probably going to be gone forever so it's a it's one of those uh, special things that uh, it's like this. There's so much copyrighted material. It's never going to survive a YouTube um, edit. No one's going to sit through and edit it for 24 hours to make sure it would. Um, yeah. So check thing. it out. I have a copy of the full thing I downloaded, but yeah. I don't know where I would put that thing. Maybe in the 20 year bald move anniversary, we can have someone go through and find highlights. Probably not, but maybe uh, uh, another thing. If you just want to check the highlights is if you go to our page on baldmove.com slash uh, or twitch twitch.tv slash bald move and check uh, past broadcasts and and go to highlight clips. Uh, the vast majority of the highlights in the, uh, are from the Groundhog stream is the all the hair baby mm-hmm. stuff, almost all the stuff you can a lot of the angry Riker or no. Good times, Riker Rick. and Angry yeah. Rick is up there, um, and now the real highlight is we have Connor Swan from the Curals Fund them- themselves here to accept the totals for the year and to accept our donation and to talk about the latest and greatest in Alzheimer's research and uh, uh, and uh, the the newest. Um, 
treatments that they've been working on and human trials and uh, what's in store for the future and also how you can prevent Alzheimer's uh, or you can you can uh, make your brain as strong as possible. I think Connor would be mad mm-hmm. if I intimated that these things could could eliminate the chance of Alzheimer's, but it's it's methods to make your brain strong and resistant to Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. So that's what's coming up next. Uh, so let's get to it. Here's Connor. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. So joining me now is, is Connor Swan. I think this is the, the third year in a row he's joined us. He's a senior manager of Leadership Gifts and a Heroes program uh, to accept our donation uh, in the Bald Move community's behalf. Uh, welcome back to the program, Connor. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy to be back again. Uh, hopefully I'll do my best to make this part of the podcast worth listening to again. Um, <laughs> but we're so grateful to have been the recipient now for three years and all the incredible work that you and the Bald Move community do. It's does not go unappreciated. So I'll start off with a thank you right off the bat. Well, it's pretty it's 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 pretty amazing. I do give uh, all credit to the community because, you know, I know every year I'm like, I just don't I don't know if we can keep breaking the funding records. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where as a number gets higher, the the the, the pressure kind of mounts. And uh, but we keep we keep doing it, you know. Uh, this last year, we raised what I thought was an amazing total of twenty thousand five hundred thirty-three dollars and five cents, and I'm like, wow, that was that was such a a high high. This year, we raised a total of twenty-four thousand five hundred ninety-three dollars. It's 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 like an eighteen percent increase, which I just was just blown away. Um, and the thing that really I I love to see is that it's it's not like all the same names over and over again. Although I love seeing people come back, it's like we get like it seems like this event keeps on getting new folks to show up and new people to support us through the marathon. And it's uh, you know there's also a lot of um, uh, something like two thousand dollars came in before the stream. That's a big that's a big change from years past. Like because I've I've been always preaching that like if you can't make make the stream, here's the link to mm-hmm. donate. And then uh, $1,500 came in after our stream. So like that right there is this uh, 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 a huge, huge difference from the year before. Might made all the difference in the world. But yeah, I'm thrilled to, to write you guys uh, another big check this year. Now, you know what? I think my favorite part about jumping on for these podcasts each year is that I always get to say that you guys are now officially our highest grossing Twitch fundraiser every single time. But every time you break your own record, you're breaking the Cure All's <laughs> record for what a Twitch fundraiser raises for us. So we're incredibly grateful. And it is it is outstanding the work you guys have done. So thank you so much. There's something very satisfying about watching some of the dumbest movies uh, on the planet, the Fast and Furious franchise <laughs> and 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 raising about a thousand bucks an hour to, to doing it. So it uh, <laughs> it feels pretty good. I want to talk. You you invited me to something special. Um, you call it the table of ten, where you invite people from, uh, you know, the, the people who've have, have done fundraisers and contributed to you to do a special presentation. It was over the web, and you had uh, a couple of the people um, from the Cure Owls Foundation or Cure Owls Fund um, to present information about the your guys's funding goals and the current state of the research. And it's just like so much more comprehensive and, and informative is like over an hour long of just like concentrated stats and research. And I thought it really fascinating. And I thought maybe we could go over some of that stuff. Cause I thought some of the, the stuff that came out of that was, was, uh, like I said, fascinating and, and encouraging. Um, 
you guys had raised $23.3 million in 2022 for a grand total of $167 million since your founding, which was in 2008, if I recall. No, 2004. 2004. Um, oh. And where, you know, people's like, well, where does all this money go? Uh, you awarded 100 grants to research last year. You've awarded 700 research grants since your inception. Uh, last year in 2022, you had 160 published papers, uh, that, that was derived from, from, uh, research grants that, that you gave out, which is over a thousand since inception. And, uh, to date there's been 80,000 citations that cite Curel's funded research, which must yeah, fe- feel really good. It feels outstanding because one of the the key tenets of Cure Alzheimer's Fund, you know, uh, I would say our most famous tenant is that our board covers our overhead expenses so that 100 percent of everything we receive goes directly to research. But what sort of flies under the radar is that everything that we fund is made available to the field at large. Nothing that we fund is just kept in-house for only cure-alls researchers to use. We want to make sure that as we move towards a cure, we're moving together. So the fact that our papers are being cited as much as they are means that we're accomplishing our goal there. We're making sure that no discovery is just being discovered and set aside for somebody else to replicate it down the road. We want everyone to be working with the latest information. And that's what that figure means. It's outstanding and a credit to our staff for doing so. There's something that came out in this uh, presentation about like your guys' approach to funding where uh, you kind you of specialize in doing small investments in kind of early stage, uh, early lead concepts, uh, things that are proof of concepts, things that are considered high risk, um, you know, versus reward type of payoff, things that kind of struggle to get, uh, you know, federal funding and, and, and larger funding because they're just like there's not there there. Um, and that's really kind of been like a force multiplier to allow, you know, like a little bit of spending unlocks more spending for this research down. Can you talk a little bit about how that process goes? Yeah, I'd love to. So back when we were first founded in 2004, uh, one of the big problems in Alzheimer's research was that the field was stagnant, not by a lack of ideas, but by the lack of funding. So The problem is that all these larger funders, those big pharmaceutical companies, biotechs, they were too wary of past uh, drug failures, Alzheimer's drug failures, to really invest in new ideas, ideas that were a little more high risk, but much more high reward. So the result was years of very cookie cutter research that, even if successful, would sort of only incrementally move the field forward. Our founders wanted to change that. So what they did was they wanted to bet on the talent, bet on the best researchers in the field. They wanted to encourage them to pursue that big, bold idea and not be afraid to fail. Now, this came partially from our many of our founders were uh, sort of they made their bones in the venture capitalist industry. Mm -hmm. So they were big about, you know, it's okay to take a swing and fail if it means that you're going to keep swinging. So what we've been so proud to see is that the seed funding that we've been able to send out to these projects that otherwise would not have been supported have then grown into some of these incredible drug targets that we're just now starting to see pay dividends. We are uh, generating hundreds of millions of dollars in follow-on investment funding for these ideas that just 
really a decade ago were sort of scoffed at as a, well, that could never work. Well, now they're not only the mainstream idea, but they're the basis of some of these drugs that you hear about in the news. Uh, one of the, in fact, one of my favorites is that Cure Alzheimer's Fund played a role in creating this monoclonal antibody, which is one of the ways that several of these uh, drugs that you're going to be hearing about in the news that you already have heard about in the news, uh, aducanumab, lacanumab, donanumab, all that MAB is, the MAB is the monoclonal antibody. That. Ah method would not have been able to get off the ground without some early support from Cure Alzheimer's Fund. And that's the multi-million dollar investment that we start by just making our $200,000 grant. So it's an incredible model that we're proud to constantly be building upon. Yeah, the stat that Kelly uh, uh, shared um, to kind of illustrate the, you know, how this works in terms of dollars is in the two years from 2018 to 2020, uh, CureHouse took $47 million of research in these like proof of concept, high risk, early lead concepts. And that funding allowed them to prove the concept to generate an additional $350 million in grant and other outside investment. So it's like you spend $47 million and like the actual impact of like what that does to research brings in the additional 350. That's I mean, that's an insane return on investment. Um, it really is. And that's the type of work that wasn't getting support that 47 million that you reference in that number. So that's almost exclusively in foundational research into the origins and pathology of Alzheimer's, how it starts, how it spreads things that were really overlooked. This basic tenant of Alzheimer's that was just sort of set aside by the field at large. So we're thrilled to play our role in really getting these next great ideas up off the ground and encouraging that follow on investment. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the the research stuff that came out of this uh, table of 10 uh, thing that I attended. Um, you know, say that there's like there we're getting further understanding and that like there's three different profiles that people can take as they age. They the so-called resilient agers who um, retain all their mental faculties at 100 percent throughout their lifetime. There's no real measurable decline or if it's a very slight. You have the, the typical aging, which is where probably 90 percent of us are going to fall into where, yeah, we we do miss start missing a step. Uh, maybe it gets harder to remember things, but you still are going to be able to live a, a full life. You're not going to forget your family, et cetera. And then you have the people who are going to suffer from dementia and understanding like genetically the differences between these types of people uh, is like something that's like really drives. Cause I like, obviously if you could isolate the one difference that is, you know, between these people, uh, which has led to this kind of ATN framework um, to understanding Alzheimer's disease. I wonder if you could like talk about the the ATN framework of like what we think we know about what are casual or casual relationships between things that we see in people's bodies and them following those different, you know, uh, uh, pathways towards, you know, uh, mental health and their and their aging process. In Alzheimer's disease, we know there to be real, really two hallmarks of the disease. There are these amyloid plaques, which is this sticky protein substance that forms around a neuron. And there are these tau tangles, uh, which are misfolded proteins that are sort of mucking up the insides of neurons. Now, 
for many years, the prevailing thought was that it was the plaques lead to the tangles, and then together, the two lead to neuroinflammation. Now, in neuroinflammation is what tends to drive us towards uh, neurodegeneration. So all three of these play a role in real, really the synaptic loss uh, within our brains, neuronal death, and that's what starts to lead to memory loss and some of the other symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, the uh, classic cognitive decline, the loss of ability to really complete even basic, simple tasks. The one thing that uh, I think I understood about the, from the, the table of 10 is there is a a perhaps new kind of feedback loop between the tau tangles, and the neuroinflammation, where they think that the one could feed into the other. Um, is that something that's like just becoming understood or? Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the, the really exciting things about this new uh, cure-all special uh, funding focus, if you will, on neuroinflammation or neuroimmunity within our brains is that what we thought to be a very straightforward process is actually much more complicated than we thought. Um, so where it used to be plaques and tangles cause neuroinflammation, now we know, as you say, it's a feedback loop. Neuroinflammation can eventually lead to tau tangles. So We've always known Alzheimer's to be a complicated process. It's always been sort of a game of whack-a-mole where you make one discovery and another three will pop up that you have to, another three questions pop up that you have to address. But what's sort of exciting about this development is that for years, tau tangles have sort of been, um, I don't want to call them the redheaded stepchild of Alzheimer's research, but it's been the A-beta getting all of the love. But now that we know that neuroinflammation has such a tight relationship with these tau tangles, that's really opened up a lot of avenues for research into examining exactly why that is. Because as we discussed, neuroinflammation is the factor that's actually driving this neurodegeneration. All three of them play a role, but it's the neuro act of neuroinflammation that is killing these brain cells. So if we can understand better the relationship between them and tau tangles, that can open up a world of options for uh, drug targets and development. There's a couple of other really interesting things that I had not heard in talking about Alzheimer's, which are the role that the microglia, uh, microglia and astrocytes mm -hmm. play in dementia. And my understanding is the microglia. Uh, these are kind of like the white blood cells of the brain. They're the active immune systems of the central nervous system. They're constantly combing our brain, our spinal cord for excess plaques, damaged cells and infectious agents. And presumably, if they work correctly, we don't get those buildups of the bad stuff. And then the astrocytes, my understanding, their role is they transfer energy and resources to brain. I've always wondered that, like. We I know that we had this blood brain barrier. There's like the strict kind of like demilitarized zone where you don't. That's why it, it, it's so hard to treat things in the brain, because like a lot of drugs just do not pass that. And I've always wondered, well, how does the brain get oxygen and energy and things like that? It seems like what well, I understand these astrocytes literally are cells that kind of walk like 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 with pail and bucket they'd have the energy and they have the oxygen and they transfer it to the brain can you talk about how these structures uh our understanding of that them and how they are contributing to or could perhaps fight uh, uh things like alzheimer's and other dementias yeah absolutely so you're absolutely right on the astrocytes um so 
they're really sort of akin to, I'd call them caretaker cells, right? They're supporting our neurons, our synapses with key nutrients to really make sure that they're fit and ensuring that our blood-brain barrier remains intact. They're doing a wonderful job of keeping everything healthy. Now, the microglia, as you said, they're our brain's primary immune system. So when functioning properly, I like to think of them sort of as a gardener. So they are pruning our synapses, making sure that everything's growing the way that it should, anything unhealthy is getting weeded out, and that they're keeping really the communication flowing between the neurons in our brain. Now, if something is amiss or growing out of shape, they'll get rid of it. And in Alzheimer's, the idea is that microglia has become overactive. So whereas once they were a green thumb, knowing exactly what to prune, what to trim, what to get rid of, uh, surgically correcting the problem, really, now they've become sort of a brown thumb. They're firing weed killer indiscriminately at our brain synapses. They're killing far more than they should. And part of that, so they are working hand in hand with our astrocytes to sort of regulate our brain's health. If something's wrong with the neuron, astrocytes will actually send a signal to the neuron telling it to uh, terminate itself for the good of our collective brain. So in Alzheimer's, the prevailing theory is that it's these astrocytes that are actually triggering the microglia to start pruning far more than they should and start telling otherwise healthy neurons to self-destruct. So these, this is still cutting-edge Alzheimer's research right now. But what's sort of exciting is that uh, by focusing in on this area, as I talked about, we're hoping to discover new drug targets. And we may have found our first target already. One of our uh, funded researchers, Dr. Shane Littlow out of New York City, uh, seems to have discovered the mechanism by which astrocytes are actually telling these neurons to implode. Now, if we can find a way to regulate this in Alzheimer's disease when they're getting a little uh, trigger happy, if you will, then we will have made a discovery that could lead to a piece of the Alzheimer's solution, a piece of the solution that would not have been possible without Cure-All's funding. They're two fascinating organisms within our brain, and they're playing a huge role in this disease process as we now understand it. There, you mentioned that like we're talking about the neuroinflammation and how that is a leading indicator to you know uh, brain uh, memory, all that impairment. Um, it seems like there's a, a a link between the overall like lifetime infections the body go through. Period. Um, do you could you, you talk us through that relationship? Uh, one of the sort of exciting pieces that we're discovering is that when your brain gets infected, these Alzheimer's plaques, which we once thought to be pure junk in the brain, these plaques are actually acting almost as a penicillin within your brain. It's fighting these infections and actually encasing uh, the infection within the plaque itself uh, in order to destroy it from the brain. Now, what's fascinating about this is that it seems like these neuroinfections, something about them may be triggering our brain to overreact to infections or uh, overreact and really start attacking too much of our brain that kicks off this microglial process of over pruning. Um, so there's no one infection that tends to cause this. There are some that seem to trigger the uh, overkill response more than others. And we are funding projects in those areas, but it's 
interesting the relationship between neuroinfection and Alzheimer's. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, they mentioned that like vaccines might end up being not just like a vaccine for Alzheimer's, but like general vaccines, like getting your flu shot, uh, making sure you keep track of your other other, uh, vaccines, Uh, because limiting your lifetime exposure to infections is seems to have a link to, you know, lowering your risk for neuroinflammation in general, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. And what's fascinating about the, the vaccine projects that you're talking about is that vaccines are interesting. They are designed to have one purpose and one purpose only. You know, the COVID vaccine is designed to fight COVID. The polio vaccine is designed to fight polio. The flu vaccine is designed to fight the flu. But it doesn't seem to matter what type of vaccine you're receiving. If you receive a vaccine, your body seems to be in better shape to stave off Alzheimer's. It's almost like it's uh, jump-starting your brain's immune system, getting it well-oiled and ready for a fight against Alzheimer's disease, which does lend fairly well to the idea that there's some sort of uh, neuroinfection that is playing a role in this process, like just a basic fundamental tenant of some of these other infections that are playing a role in Alzheimer's disease. So it's an interesting, brand new study, very little information out there, but it is a very promising area that we want to look into more for sure. Something I want to ask you, because it's something that um, they didn't actually say in the table of 10. I haven't seen this like um, described as such anywhere else, but it it seems from everything we talked about that are people starting to look at Alzheimer's as mm, a potential like autoimmune disorder? Because it's what what you're talking about, like it sounds like the body's own immune response processes are kind of like, you know, that same type of overreaction and like it's the same stuff you hear in things like lupus and whatnot where it's like your body just starts uh, just wages a war on a particular other part of your body or am i like way off base on that you're not off base at all in fact that's uh, a big school of thought that's starting to emerge now uh, our researchers i'd say if you polled them it would be a hotly debated topic for sure but i would say it's probably about 50 50 but the It's certainly going to be, if there's anything that we know about Alzheimer's, it's that this is the culmination of about a thousand different things going on in your body. Of those things, autoimmune is certainly going to be one of them. But Mm. they're just, so this disease, it really is sort of a Frankenstein of everything that can possibly go wrong in our bodies, it seems like. Like we know that um, things happening in our gut are impacting what's going on in our brain. We know that uh, basic lifestyle factors are impacting what's going on in our brain. Alzheimer's has so many potential feeders into how you start to develop this disease. And that's really what makes it so complicated. But this, I guess this is a very long way of saying, yes, I think you're right. I think that this is certainly going that direction. Uh they mentioned that the, there's a, a lot of well, the, the, before I move on from that, I thought it was also interesting yeah. that like there are a couple of phases in our life where our these brain immune responses kind of naturally kick in the high drive. And they mentioned like infancy, like in your first two years, like your brain, like these natural processes of pruning neuron connections and doing that work in a hyperdrive. And they also mentioned that like it's something you go through in puberty and adolescence too, like when your brain are undergoing these large scale changes. Because one of the things I, you know, it seems like you could just uh, take a drug to maybe like tune all these processes down, but like you don't want them to stop. And there's other phases, you know, other times where these things are happening kind of overdrive and it doesn't 
necessarily, you know, obviously when you go, well, I guess it's debatable. You go through puberty and, and you lose mental function, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a natural process. And just like, why is it going into overdrive and in these other periods of time, you know, uh, trying to get to the, the, the root understanding of that. And the other, you know, you mentioned like what a Frankenstein monster, it's like, that's the thing that's kind of bedeviled uh, Alzheimer's research is that like, it certainly has something to do with the plaques, but you also, there's people that have normal brains that die when we studied them that are loaded with plaque, but they didn't have any uh, instance of like the dementia. And you've also had the converse where you have a person with like, a, seems a pretty advanced case of, of dementia that has relative, a brain relatively free of these plaques and tau tangles. Um, it's it's just a it's 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 really it's 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 really crazy. Well, I mean, it's it's something in going wrong in your brain. Like it's the literally most complicated thing that we know of in the the human body. So it it makes a lot of sense that it's going to be very hard to pinpoint exactly what is going wrong with the, these things that is fundamentally make us us. Oh, absolutely no, and it's yeah. You know, last year, you guys did the uh, the Star Trek marathon. Well, I would submit to star trek that our brain is the final frontier like there are things that we are learning about the brain every single day but you think you have it all mapped out and we just don't and that's why we need to keep investing in foundational research because just when we think that we've finally mapped this thing out we're going to discover something new that's going to change the way we think about this disease like you said there are brains that are discovered uh or not discovered but you see brains of Alzheimer's patients that don't necessarily follow exactly what you would expect to see in a classic Alzheimer's brain. And that leads to the question of, well, what's going on? Uh, just like we may have recently discovered that neuroinflammation, neuroinflammation can cause tau tangles. Like that's something that we thought we knew as hard evidence that it was plaques lead to tangles and then the two lead to neuroinflammation. And that's the end of the process. And instead, it's a feedback loop. That's something that's brand new that could throw the entire picture of Alzheimer's on its head. It's always fascinating what's happening next. So I want to talk about there's three uh, main avenues that we've had recent advancements and developments, uh, better diagnostic and prognostic tools. So like, you know, mm -hmm. finding uh, that you might have an issue that you need to take uh, care of sooner um, uh, and, and getting better prognoses, uh, the anti-amyloid immunotherapy drugs that are mm -hmm. um, in phase three trials. And then uh, shorter and, and better pathways to trials and more targets and trials, which is essentially, you know, how can we get promising research into trials faster? Do you want to talk uh, about uh, any of these topics? I'd love to talk about all three of them. All right. So if we want to take a stab with that better diagnostics, first of all. So being able to diagnose Alzheimer's is one of the most important things that we can discover. Because not only will that help patients down the line, but in the short term, that's going to help create more effective clinical trials. If we're able to predict who's going to develop Alzheimer's disease before they do it, we're going to have a much better idea of do these drugs work or do they not? Because most of our best efforts at an Alzheimer's drug are preventatives. They're not cures. They're not rebuilding what you've lost. We're just not there yet. But a lot of these drugs, our researchers feel, aren't necessarily getting a fair shake. 
because by the time you're exhibiting strong symptoms of Alzheimer's disease, they think you may be too far along the process for these drugs to really make any noticeable difference. If you look at a chart of uh, how somebody with Alzheimer's tends to progress, you'll notice the end of the line where they start uh, declining, it gets steep very fast. So if you're giving them a preventative drug that's, say, slowing the disease process, like this new drug, Lecambi, I'm getting ahead of myself, um, is slowing it by, I believe it's uh, 25%. If you're slowing something by 25%, but you're already plummeting, that's not going to have much of an impact on your on your uh, quality of life. But if we can get that to somebody, while they're just in the very beginnings of the disease, at this stage, mild cognitive impairment, when... You're starting to slip a little bit, but you still remember who everyone is. You know exactly, uh, you know who your family are. Your memories are still intact. Then that's going to be much more effective at that stage. But we can't do that if we don't have good testing, which is why we're so excited about this new uh, blood test that's coming out, which I believe I even mentioned last year. We're just Mm -hmm. getting closer and closer to it, but improving it. So that blood test I mentioned last year, it was going to only be able to identify uh, APOE in the bloodstream. Now, we're actually looking at all sorts of A-beta proteins, uh, the plaques that are in our brains. We're able to get that out of this blood test. We are The tool is constantly being refined, and it's getting closer and closer to uh, really being available widely. So we're very excited about that avenue. Uh, Moving on to the anti-amyloid immunotherapy I want to to make a a point on that because, like, that's something they really brought home in that presentation is, like, the human brain can sustain an impressive amount of damage before there's any cognitive decline at all because the brain is all about, you know, rerouting around damage and and shunting off disease cells and – you know, you, you get to the point where the brain is so person starting to like manifest symptoms, the brain's already, mm-hmm. you know, like like shot through with the disease. So like, yeah, if you could get that, you know, 27 percent slower decline at the very start of the process rather than when the house is already on fire. Um, but I was just I was just like shocked at like, you know, they showed some slides of like, you know, some relatively advanced um, uh, neuro inflammation. And, and uh, I forget what the, the the atrophy that occurs at the cells and stuff that like people still are not showing any like cognitive depair- impairments mm-hmm. really just bangs home, like how resilient the brain is. But it's also a double edged sword. But it's like uh, sometimes like dogs are that way. The dogs are so stoic. And so, like, you know, not really showing like the fact that sometimes they can have like these bad, huge pathologies that it's by the time they start, like, you know, showing that there's any discomfort at all, that it's like kind of too late to do anything about the the problem. They're not like people where it's like, oh, you get an ache and pain. Our brains are kind of that way. They're so resilient that by the time something's gone wrong, that we can see like there's something gross happening mm-hmm. that it's just gotten away from us. So yeah, this, these better diagnostic and prognostic tools seem like they're going to go hand in hand with the therapies that you're about to talk about. No, absolutely. And you are completely correct. Like it's our brain. We all, we all want to be the resilient agers that we talked about earlier, but you're right. The fact that our brain does keep adjusting until it's too late and it can't do it anymore like it would, it's too far along into the Alzheimer's process to do much. So we want, really want to make that drug that prevents us from developing Alzheimer's until we're 150. And by mm. then, something else will have gotten us. Right. And that's, 
kind of what we're expecting this sort of new wave of drugs that you're going to be hearing about to do. So the most recent one that just got accelerated approval by the FDA, it's called Lakembi, or as it used to be called, Lakanumab, which I may have mentioned before. But this drug, it's an infusion therapy. So that means you're going into the you're going into the hospital, you're sitting down, they're putting an IV in your arm, and you're sitting there and you're doing that once a month. Now that is expensive. That is potentially very uncomfortable. Uh, this type of treatment tends to have stronger side effects, and it's not really tenable in the long term. So this is this drug is not necessarily the answer, but just like I came in here last year talking about how this drug Adjahelm was a terrible drug, but a step in the right direction. Well, this is a less terrible drug. People are much more confident about the impact that it has on the disease process. And it's a step in the right direction, even if it's not the answer. But what's the most exciting thing about this is that this is a drug that seems to be lending itself very well to a subcutaneous injection or uh, think of a diabetic patient with an insulin shot. Mm, mm-hmm. So the way that this drug seems to be built indicates that it will down the line be able to be to become a shot like that. Now, if we can do that, that's incredible. That's at-home care that is much more comfortable for the patient. It is much cheaper for the patient. You're not paying for the hospital staff to have to administer the bag. You're not paying for the space. It opens up a world of options for you. So it's very exciting where this drug seems to be indicating that we can get with these preventative treatments. Now, it still has some hurdles to to clear. The uh, Center for Medicare still has to approve it for widespread use. As I said, it's only in the accelerated approval. That means a very, very small subset of a subset of a population can actually take this drug right now. But there are even better drugs, we think, coming behind this thing. So it's such a beautiful step in the right direction. And I'll just anecdotally add, it's so refreshing to be able to, after years of talking about drugs in a hypothetical, to be able to actually talk about drugs that are getting approved is showing just how far we have come in the last 20 years or so. This would have been a pipe dream back in the early 2000s. And now here we are with multiple drugs that we expect to be approved by the FDA. It's a beautiful spot to be. Yeah. And like you said, you, I think you mentioned 25%. I, the number I got here is 27%. But like you can think of like, again, this is early days, but 27% slower cognitive decline. You uh, you combine that with an earlier detection because it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of years, like that stuff will compound. Um, it's yeah, like that's not that's nothing to sneeze. That's not like 3%, 5%, 27% is significant. Oh, it's massive. So it's let's say that your brain is on track to develop uh, noticeable Alzheimer's disease at age 65. Well, if we have a blood test that's telling you at age 45, you're at risk to develop this. Then at age 50, you can start taking this drug and really push it off. 25 or 27 percent at age 50 moving on, you're probably not going to get to the age where you would notice your right. Alzheimer's develop. Right. It's now we're taking incredible steps in the right direction. It really is an exciting time in the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you, 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 if you could shove uh, onset of Alzheimer's out to the mid 90s, the vast majority of people would never even 
you know, bump up against that. So that would be that'd be amazing. And you, you talk about like uh, how we're trying to fast track, you know, and we're trying to get this through phase trials. It seems like some of the some of the advancements are procedural uh, and uh, getting getting stuff into the the, the shortening the pathways and, and getting their trials as, as quick as possible. You know, you want to be safe. But we talk about some of those uh, uh, the, 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 the new the stuff that's really on the horizon. Yeah. So in, this is one of actually the places that I think Cure Alzheimer's Fund really shines. So a while ago, back in 2015, we first developed what we call the Alzheimer's in a dish. So this is literally recreating the human brain in a Petri dish. Now, the advantages of this are that we can test uh, already pre-approved drugs on basically a human replicate a replication of the human brain as opposed to testing it in mice, which I don't think I need to tell anyone, mice brains are very different than human brains. <laughs> so you can see what these drug what the effects of these drugs are on the Alzheimer's progression within this model. Now, this started out as really just, all right, it's two neurons communicating with each other. We can see the plaques develop. We can see the tangles develop. All right, we got it. Alzheimer's in a dish. These dishes have now grown to include multiple neurons. It's including the blood-brain barrier. It's including microglia. It's including just about everything that you can see in your brain. So as we improve this dish, we are improving the efficacy of testing within these dishes. It's faster than a mouse. It's cheaper than a mouse. And it is helping us establish what drugs are worth pushing through to clinical trials. Now, you still have to uh, you still have to, of course, worry about safety and things of that nature. Sure. Uh, it's never going to replace the need for clinical trials, but we are saving so much time and money and therefore more time by having these uh, Alzheimer's and addition brains available for people to use across the country, across the world. Really, it's a beautiful tool that we're thrilled to have played a large part in bringing forward. Yeah, you know, they say that the the you know, ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. And that's something that we always talk about each year is, you know, uh, that's something I, you know, my sister and I talk about this all the time. Like uh, we lost our grandfather to Alzheimer's. Well, I mean, I don't know if he died of Alzheimer's, but he had advanced Alzheimer's at the time of his death. My dad at uh, in his early 70s, we're not quite sure if uh, he's 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 just, you know, they're, they're seeing some signs of slipping and his sister or his two sisters also had pretty advanced dementia at the time of their death. It's something that we worry about personally. You know, how can we make sure this doesn't happen to us? How can we not put our families through this barring, you know, some miracle drug that comes out between the next uh, 20, 30 years? It's all, like you said, the lifestyle things, the things in your gut, the things in your health, the, 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 the way, you know, you use your brain. What are the best ways, the most science based evidences uh, of effective things that we can do in our own lives to reduce our overall risk uh, of Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, so the best model for prevention that we have, and I should note before I go into this, that nothing you do is guaranteed to prevent Alzheimer's disease. Sure. These are just great ways to keep your brain healthy, to keep your brain in the best shape possible, to stave off Alzheimer's disease as long as possible. It is always good to have a healthy brain, but I certainly wouldn't want to mislead anyone to thinking that if you do these uh, five or six things, you're golden. Don't worry about it. Right, right. But 
We're always talking about just shifting so, probability windows and things. This is these aren't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the best model is what uh, our lead researcher, Dr. Rudy Tansy at a Mass General Hospital, actually calls the shield model of Alzheimer's. So shield is, of course, a wonderful acronym. So you start off with the S is sleep. You want to make sure that you're getting a good night's sleep every night. At when you're sleeping is your brain's opportunity to clean itself, to recover from a tough day, to regulate the amount of plaques or tangles that are in your brain. If you're not getting enough sleep, then your brain is at a higher risk of being overwhelmed by the plaques. Though so it's always in, in, important to make sure that you're giving your brain the opportunity to recover from the day. Second is to handle your stress. Now, stress is a killer in just about every aspect of our general health. But if you're feeling like your chest is tight, like it's just the world is too much for you, your brain isn't going to have your brain's not feeling great either. It's going to be shifting away uh, much needed resources from maintaining your brain health instead to dealing with some of the other problems that stress is building towards. So you want to make sure to try to find time to center yourself, to do something relaxing, uh, even if it's watching a TV show, watching a movie, going outside, hanging out with friends, do something to relax yourself, because the more stressed you are, the more unhealthy your body's going to be. And that's just in general, even before brain health. Next is the I, which is to interact. You want to be sure that you are not uh, just sitting solitarily you want to make sure that you're talking with people as you talk to someone as like we're doing right now we are creating new synaptic connections we're learning new things we're thinking about how to respond and in doing that your brain is keeping fit and it is important i should note not to just interact with people through a screen so one of the big things that our brains try to pick up on is other people's body language. And that's something that you sort of lose through a screen. Like, think about when you're talking on a Zoom call, you're not really ever making true eye contact. The closest thing you get is if we both happen to look at our cameras at the same time. And that's not really eye contact, is it? Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to read how another person is reacting and let your brain go through the process of figuring that out. It's all about keeping our synapses fit and creating new connections. And that happens much, that's a much stronger process in person than it is through a screen. Yeah, you get more stimulation when you're talking face to face then because so much of that sensory input is lost through the webcam and through the microphone. Absolutely. And it's better than nothing like back in the uh, the height of the pandemic. Sure. Talking through a screen better than nothing. But you really want that in-person human interaction. That uh, fourth is exercise. Move more. So you want to get up. Um, I think it's a Fitbit that has a try to take 250 steps an hour. It'll yell at you if you're not. That's mm -hmm. what you want to do. You want to get up and you want to move. Don't be sedentary for too long. But know that exercise doesn't mean that you have to be taking 10,000 steps in a day. It doesn't mean you have to be uh, running or doing an intense workout. It can just be go for a walk around the block. Get moving, get your blood pumping just enough to really get everything well oiled. That's all you need to be doing for exercise. Do more if you can, of course, but know that even a little bit helps your brain stay fit. Then fifth, learn new things. 
um, try to read more books, um, really find ways to, again, keep your brain creating new synapses. That's the name of the game. You want to be trying to create new memories in order to stave off losing old ones. Your brain is a muscle, just like any other muscle in your body. You got to work it out by learning new things. Um, and on that note, one of the other ways that you could potentially uh, consider keeping your brain in shape is just by mixing up some standby habits. It's not if you go to the grocery store the same way every day, turn off ways and find a new route to the grocery store. Force your brain to move through a town that you know by heart but in a new way. If you're brushing your teeth with your right hand all the time, switch to your left hand. I'm trying to do that right now. And let me tell you, it's not nearly as easy as you think it would be. My dentist is going to yell at me because you feel like a four-year-old brushing your teeth again. <laughs> it really is crazy. But that way you're learning new things and creating new synapses, on new muscle memories on how to do simple tasks. And that's a that's kind of a change because like I even 10 years ago, I something my dad does every day. It's like it is kind of like uh, keep your brain busy with crossword puzzles and cryptograms and Sudoku and things like that. And current research is showing that like that is not really the brain experiencing learning new things. That's the brain mastering a process and just doing that iterations, whereas switching from left to right or right to left on your toothbrush or your spoon, that is actually forcing your brain to literally form new connections. Uh, uh, you Like I said, going, you know, uh, navigating different paths home. The other one they mentioned is like learning new languages. Uh, yeah. So da get the Sudoku off your phone, uh, get Duolingo on. Uh, cause that's a, that's, you know, again, forming entirely new, that's making your brain actually work and do things in, in different ways. I imagine it's a lot like conventional exercise. Like, you know, you start, uh, working out with weights and you get all these new gains when you're first starting, but then it gets mm -hmm. harder and harder because your brain, your body's already built up and it's gotten strong in that specific way. Uh, you need to find new exercises to kind of challenge it, to, to, to get more gains. And it sounds like our brain's the same way. We can't just keep doing the same thing over and over, even though it's a different process different crossword, different, it's still kind of just reusing those same kind of mental processes and pathways. Absolutely. It's the skill that you've already mastered that you're still using. I think the, the, the exercise analogy throughout is perfect. No personal trainer is going to tell you to just stick with one exercise. They're going to tell you to vary it up right? because you need to be working on all those little new muscle memories with your brain. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely crucial. And that brings us to the final part of the shield model, which is diet. So that's more fiber, less red meat. Uh, try to only eat things that you can tell what they were before. So those uh, toxic, bright orange uh, Doritos, maybe not the best thing to eat. Instead, try to mix in more nuts, more fish. The Mediterranean diet has been proven to really reduce neuroinflammation. And reducing neuroinflammation means less chance of developing Alzheimer's disease. So that's the, so really more healthy oils and things of that nature than the, uh, than the Pringles, than the, the cheese puffs and those types of things. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I know I say this every year, um, but like, these are all the things I struggle with, like sleep, stress, interact, especially since COVID interacting with the world, 
exercise. I think the only things I'm really kind of crushing is learning new things because I tend to just kind of naturally be a bit of a flippity gibbet that way. Like I'm always into new hobbies and stuff and diet. I have to pat myself on the back, cut out almost all the red meat in my diet over the last few years. So like I and and I've, I've tried to get away from more processed foods and though I'm, I'm crushing that. But I guess, you know, it's uh, you can't let perfect be the enemy of good. Just try to try, you know, like I, I, I know the first year we talked, I actually that year I, I really tried to work, uh, focus on my sleep and I, I got I, I actually made some headway on that. But, you know, then things happened and I made less headway. And so you can't. Yeah, it's just you don't have to do everything perfectly. It's just the more of these you can do, the better your again, statistical chances of staving off these effects of dementia and Alzheimer's and other things. So. Uh, I know it is. I, I imagine a lot of bald movers feel the same way because like, what do we do? We sit around, we watch television and we watch movies and we probably stay up way too late doing it because we've got kids and we got to wait till they go to bed before we watch House of the Dragon. And it's we're, we're, a, we're a high risk group is what I'm saying. So I'm glad that we can all come together and make some money for the Cure Owls folks and uh, hopefully we can shield our brains a bit better, too. Yeah, absolutely. And you are learning new things when you're watching TV, right? Like you're even if it's just learning the uh, whatever depends. happened to Joel and Ellie this week on Last of Us, you're learning something. I was going to say, it depends the show. I kind of want my 11 years of Walking Dead back. I don't know. I, in fact, I, that might have increased my chances of dementia and early onset Alzheimer's. But but yeah, yeah. Most quality television will probably at least make you a, a few synapses fire. Uh, is there anything else we that you'd like the bald move community to know about Alzheimer's or cure owls? Uh, anything that we've uh, left off? No, well, what I would like them to know is once again how grateful we are that you guys keep coming back and keep shattering records and how much you're able to support us. It's really incredible what you guys have all been able to accomplish. Um, and we're just so grateful because without the support of fundraisers like yours. We're not able to fund critically needed Alzheimer's research, and that slows up the process. You guys are helping us move towards an Alzheimer's solution much faster than we otherwise would have. So kudos to you guys for keeping this going for so long. And thank you. Thank you to everyone in the community for coming together year after year. Well, it's a pleasure. You guys are great to work with. You guys are great partners. And again, it's it's easy to raise fund when you have a worthy, worthy cause. Um you know, I, I know people feel real great about the 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 the, the money's going to a great organization. They know the hundred percent of that money's going directly to, you know, funds for prevention and uh, cure uh, and treatment for Alzheimer's. And there's no, mm-hmm. you know, funny business, and there's no, oh, you know, extravagant overhead and all that kind of stuff. It's all it's 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 like I said, it's you guys are a dream organization to fundraise for us, and I got a real personal connection to it, so. The pleasure's all ours. Uh, Connor, thanks again for taking an hour out of your schedule and educating us a little bit about this terrible disease and the the, the, the cause we have for hope and optimism and how we can uh, protect ourselves and our loved ones. Uh, it's always fascinating. Always love talking to you. And I can't wait to do it again next year. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And I would just add one more thing. If anyone's interested in learning more about the latest and what we're funding, uh, they can check out our website at www.curealz.org. And yeah, thank you guys so much. I can't wait to see what you guys do next year. 
Yeah, and it's like I said, uh, I, it's it's um, it's too late to get into the the Groundhog Day because I am going to send off the check as soon as I'm done talking to Connor. But it's not too late to donate to Curals. If you go to their website, Curals.org, they have a link. They will take your money right now. Uh, we so, will always take your money. Yeah, and if you let us know Bob Move sent us, we can keep adding that to the total that you guys it's true raised, you can you, like. you can you can earmark it from the bald move community and uh yeah i'm 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 we're already thinking about what uh what crazy movie slate we're going to do next year i'm looking forward to it uh but yeah connor thanks for coming on and uh, uh please uh, uh express our thanks to everybody doing work at the cure house fund absolutely thanks for having me uh, again, thanks to Connor for coming on and sharing the science with us uh, and for working their butts off a year in and year out uh, at the Cure Owls Fund to make as much money as possible to fund a bunch of research. And uh, you can see how it's paying off now and a long road ahead. Um, but I do think that with sufficient money and care and attention that we can in this, I hope for in my lifetime, because God, the my worst nightmare is to put my own family through something like, you know, what what, what uh, my grandfather went through. So means a lot to me that you all show up and uh, means a lot that we're able to write a big check to the Curals folk. And I can't wait to do it again next year. We do have a lot of we have concepts coming out of our ears. Uh, is there mm-hmm. an early one that you're super excited for? Uh, boy. I, I don't remember all the ones we have. I know someone suggested this year. Like I remember Eric suggested a Batman one that would include the Batman collection. Animated. Seems really cool. Uh huh. And get, get the old Adam the West one in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you couldn't do them all. There's too much Batman. If you especially if you include the animated ones, but you could probably get one of every era. All the Nolans, you know. And the Not virtue of that the is Snyder's. So they're so different, right? There's such a diverse yes. take on Batman. Uh, that you get comedies, you get spoofs, you get serious films, you get dark, you get gritty. Yeah. Everything. So that yeah. might be an interesting one to explore. Yeah. But we got We have a whole bunch of, of concepts um, that uh, we're keeping in a document. So we'll have to tune in till next year to find out what we eventually go with. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh for for letting us write this big check to the curals uh all credit to the bald move community if you do if you did miss this entirely uh and you're wondering oh wow i've you know alzheimer's means uh alzheimer's prevention and cure means a lot to me it's impacted my family where what how can i help go to curals.org uh they will always take your money and you can even earmark it to bald move so they can keep adding it to that total we are the, the they, they mentioned this we're the num- their number one twitch fundraiser Wow. Every year they we set a new nice. record. There's a couple other people competing with us, I guess. And uh I, I hope Connor's not being nice and we're just the only ones doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh although I appreciate that as well. Uh anyway, that wraps us up for this year. I've already gone on way too uh, longer than I thought. Again, incredible success. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that uh, the played a part, uh especially the people that showed up and uh, gave what they could. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to doing it next year. Oh, I hope I hope you hang out with us before next year. But if that is the fate until then, I guess I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. We'll see you next Groundhog's Day.